Kia ora folks, welcome to On The Whistle, live podcast hosted by True Story Bros. Tonight we had a few technical difficulties and we did have some audio problems, but without a doubt we did have Lauren Jenner on the show, one of our best referees in the country at the moment. So make sure you stay tuned right to the end because it is definitely one to listen to. Right, in the blue corner, arguably one of the best female referees in the country, hailing from the mighty counties, Moko. Lauren Jenner. <laughs> hey, Liz. Yes, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome to have you here, Lauren. I know the boys are pumped for tonight's podcast. Um, special week on the podcast, folks. It's Wahine Week on the podcast. That's uh, why we've got Lauren in tonight. Um, just firstly, before we kick this podcast off, um, a massive, massive shout out and thank you to all of our viewers and followers. We've hit 200 likes in our Facebook page, and obviously this couldn't be done without um, you, the viewers, and also the people who have helped us, such as Ben, George, Cam, and Nico. So just a quick celebration, marking a special occasion for us as a podcast. And don't forget, Pat from the Touch Project has also done some serious help. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so a couple of facts about Lauren. Um, she is 24 years old. She's a digital marketing specialist for Downer. Um, she is the second ever female referee to officiate in a super rugby match. Uh, she has multiple sevens tournaments like the HSBC sevens and the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. Sweet. Well, thanks for the introduction there, team. Um, we're going to start pretty swiftly and we're going to go on to the quickfire section. So, Lauren, first question, sevens or fifteens? Oh, it's a tough one. I'm because I'm coming off the high of the Olympics, I'll say right now, sevens. Good decision. Our next one, which is a big one, plastic or metal Acme whistle? Metal all the way. I don't know how people can referee with plastic. Blows my mind. I hope Brando's listening to this because, you know. <laughs> um, our next one, who is the harder working athlete, you or your boyfriend? Uh, look, um, I could probably bench more than him. So um, <laughs> that's a good one. How much can you bench? Look, not much. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Love the effort. Where is your most favorite place to referee? Um, I'm going to say two domestically, Eden Park. Um, it's, you know, it's amazing, amazing to be able to run out there. And then the second, I'm probably going to say Cape Town. Don't know why, just something about it loved it fair enough what's the atmosphere like at you know eden park when you're out in the middle you know it must be pretty pretty big you know pretty uh, it's electric like you know you've i grew up watching the all blacks play there and um and it's pretty special to have you know to have gone to their games uh watch them play and now to i guess be in a very unique unique position to be able to referee um you know on the on the green there so yeah it's it's electric it's pretty cool sweet and last what's your go-to meal on game day Go-to meal. Um, probably just like a, a big cooked breakfast, hot chocolate, you know, hash brown, spaghetti, bacon, you know, just really carb load before a, before a game. So speaking pretty simple, language. but speaking my language. They're good. <laughs> speaking all of our language there. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for that. That's a good way to start this podcast. Um, I think, you know, it's time to move into some serious questions there. But firstly, um, I've heard that you live with a few uh, Super Rugby boys. How's that going? 
look, it's very entertaining. Um, this is a recent decision um, that me and my partner made, which is very exciting. Now that he's back in um, back in Auckland for the next couple of months with um, with Bunnings NPC. So yeah, very entertaining. Um, it's full on, lots happening. We have some healthy competition here. Um, Sass, Cecilia, and I are champions at horseback at the moment. But then Simon Hickey and I are champions at beer pong. You know, I think there's a common theme there that I'm involved in both teams, um, which is good. Um, no, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of laughs. Um, we're quite fortunate. We have a really cool gym set up here with a lot of equipment and things. Um, the boys run a pretty tight ship in terms of training um, and what they've got to what they've got to do and the expectation around that. So it's keeping me really accountable and honest, actually, because I'm able to able to join in a lot of their um, field sessions and things. So it's yeah, very entertaining, lots of fun, um, but yeah, wouldn't change it. It's, it's pretty cool. Fair enough. You talk about, you know, joining with the field sessions and stuff. Are you learning quite a bit, you know, being with the guys, you know, like are you doing a bit of scenario work there or? Yeah, a little bit, um, probably more around their game replacement. So I wasn't sure having obviously not played, you know, professional rugby before, um, I guess what game replacement entails. And so I did a session with them on Saturday um, a lot like they were wrestling and a lot of down ups and things like that. So that was quite interesting. I was blowing by the end of it. Uh, it was so tough. So I have a newfound appreciation for what they do. Um, I was trying to, I guess, just trying to replicate that kind of that game scenario kind of stuff. Um, in terms of field sessions, though, like the MAS and things, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty kind of all across that. Um, my my trainer Downsy and I work quite regularly together together on that stuff so it's yeah it's probably more just yeah that scenario and that game replacement stuff that was a bit new to me and I'm enjoying it those down ups are sore on the shoulders but you know it's going to help me inc increase my my max bench weight you know so that'll be fine yeah, 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 Beating your living, living with some super <laughs> rugby players and training like they do um well yeah, I think yeah. we'll move into our first question now um it's a bit of a two-parter actually so during the season what does a normal week look like for you? And in the off season, um, what does a what does a week look like? So, did you catch that? Oh, sorry, no, say that again. Sorry. Oh, you didn't. Oh, that's all good. So during the on season, what does a normal week look like for you? And during the off season, what does that week um, look like for you? Does anything change during the off season weeks? Okay, uh, probably not too much, um, to be fair. So as you boys alluded to um, earlier, so I um, have a full-time role. So I'm um, in digital marketing with Downer. Love what I do there. Um, but that obviously, um, you know, takes a lot of my time up, I guess, during the days. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I'm really big at switching off um, and needing to mentally refresh. So obviously my partner and I are both heavily involved in rugby. And so when it's time to work, we work. That includes trainings, game days, sessions, um, you know, reviews, all that kind of stuff. But when it's time to switch off, we switch off. Um, so, you know, a week, even, even during, you know, the on-season, still go out, with, um, go out with friends for dinner, catch up with mates, um, probably do, you know, spend a, spend a good chunk of my time doing a review, so reviewing games, um, looking at games ahead, you know, what teams I've got the next weekend. Um, we might connect as a, as a national group or as a, as a referee group, depending what, um, what, you know, what games you're referring, if it's Farah Palmer or, or Heartland or so on. Um, we might connect as a group and chat through, you know, our key focus areas or trends in the game, um, as these can often change, I guess, week to week. Um, so that's, I guess, that's, kind of what my week kind of entails and obviously game day and then Sundays for us is usually a 
big um, a big off day. So just switching off, mentally refresh, hang out with friends and family, connecting with them because yeah, I'm a big believer in um, you know, you got to have the tools and equip yourself to be fresh off the field to be able to perform awesome. on the field. Um, so you probably get this question quite a bit, but um, I think everyone would like to know, how did you get into refereeing and to where you are now? Cool. So um, from a young age, I had an extroverted passion uh, for sport and for rugby. Um, so I was quite fortunate that my parents supported supported my goals and dreams, um, you know, wanting to play rugby and and do that. So, um, so I played rugby for eight years um, for Arbor Marist. Loved it. They're in Counties Manico. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, but as I kind of got through the ranks, as we started going to school and stuff, I got a couple of injuries. And so I made the decision uh, to stop playing. Um, I wanted to stay involved in the game, the game that I loved. And I was kind of thinking, how can I do that? I'm about 17 years old. How can I stay involved um, in the game, the game that I love? And, and family friends of ours actually suggested to me to pick up the whistle. Um, and, you know, give refereeing a go. But, you know, being half back for about six or seven years, I knew how much slack I gave the referee and was like, there's no chance that I'm, I'm going to pick up the whistle and become a ref. But, you know, they, they persevered and, and I guess. I'm going to, I guess, um, support me and guide me through, you know, the early stages of my career and Olympics and and so she kind of you know and then um and then I guess in a kind of similar way followed his foot has been following in her footsteps a little bit um she really encouraged me um and so did so did the union they really supported me and then I guess when you get to a certain level like you boys will probably know um you get you know talent ID kind of come and come and watch you and and will come look at you and so I kind of just went and went under that um you know that kind of realm of things and then from there got selected for wider training groups and national squads and women's squads and um you know there's been the, the evolution of of uh rugby in New Zealand and women's squads and men's squads um has been really cool and so we're no longer you know separate we're now connected as one so that's really cool to see and so from there I guess kind of just keep slowly chipping away and climbing the ranks uh something I didn't necessarily think would be the case as I said this just kind of started out as a as a love for the game and wanting to stay involved but it's it's pretty cool to to see kind of where I came from and and probably didn't realize the opportunities that were available to me until meeting Jess at you know my very first meeting um and yeah it's pretty cool to Sweet. Sorry, I was cutting out a bit. So if I am lagging, sorry about that, guys. Um, our next one, I think I prepped was, what makes you referee week in, week out? It has to be, I guess, the love of the game. I guess that's why we're all here um, and we, you know, we're doing what we're doing. Um, I guess a big thing for me, though, is I want it. I want, uh, I want young athletes or young people, um, especially females, to know that it is possible um again like I was real fortunate that I had Jess kind of to look up to and to and to um you know see the kind of the pathway that she was taking but but I want you know females to look on a tv screen and and see a female involved in a national men's game or an international men's game whether that's me or one of my colleagues you know um I don't really care I just I just want to keep doing it so that they know it is possible um you don't have to have 
being, you know, um, a professional rugby player or someone of status to, to achieve that. You can just be, you know, a, a country girl or, a, you know, just a female who loves the game and, and wants to wants to be involved in it and and want to do well and you know achieve some goals and dreams in it so so that would that would I guess uh be one of the reasons why and the second again for the love of the the, the love mm. of the game um I've been very fortunate to to travel to some incredible places uh with some amazing people and so that's that is what keeps you know me wanting to go back and, and wanting more um is to keep achieving that and and that's um yeah, and I guess the pinnacle, you know, having just come off the back of an Olympic Games with some incredible people, and so it's um that's you know why you do it. Well, that's why you know that's why you might might do it now. That's not necessarily why I started, um, but it's yeah, but it's definitely a big reason as to why I do it now. Yeah, it has its perks, eh, refereeing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, and that's something I didn't necessarily know getting into it, and um, it's yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah, so. Um... So then, like, what is your highlight of your career? You know, is there much to your outstanding career that you that sticks out to you, other than you know the yeah, the abso- Olympics? absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that stick out. So obviously, um, as I just mentioned, the Olympics. It's a pinnacle event. You know, I've trained really hard for that, and um, and I'm still buzzing. You know, we've came under MIQ straight into level four lockdown. But I'm still so so pumped and so chuffed about it, and and um, I'm I'm really proud of myself, and I think that's not something that's always celebrated uh, a lot. You know, a lot of people will talk about their friends and family about how they're they're proud of them and what they're doing and what they're achieving, but it's not often that you hear um, people talk about themselves and how proud they are of themselves. And I think that is something that we can we could celebrate more um, because I am I'm I'm pretty proud of myself for for doing that. Um, which is pretty cool. But I guess also another thing for me is like, you know, the Olympics was incredible, um, but it's not just the moments on the field that make these events or these tournaments highlights of my career. So for example, you know, I went to went to Cape Town Sevens, absolutely loved it. But it was the safari trip that a group of us went on four, four or five days prior to the, you know, to the tournament kicking off. That was a highlight of my career. Um, you know, you're in this amazing place with some really cool people that you can get to connect with and become lifelong friends with. And, you know, it's, it's not my mates that I grew up with that I'm traveling, you know, traveling the world with and doing safaris in South Africa with. It's, it's these cool people who have worked just as hard um, to be there. And so I think that's also what makes uh, moments highlights of the career, not necessarily just the moments that are, yeah. that are on the pitch. You did just talk about, you know, having that outside life with your friends and, you know, going out for dinner and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that plays like a big part into how you perform on a sad day? Like, do you think, you know, how you how your outer life is and how you balance that is, is important to how you referee on a sad day? Absolutely. And for anyone here telling you it doesn't affect you, it absolutely does. And they're lying. Yeah. Um, so a big part of a big part of who I am and I think all referees is that you've got to you've got to have a good balance. Um, and I'll be honest, when I first started, I probably didn't have that balance quite right. Um, I'm unapologetically me. A lot of people who know that, um, you know, love it or hate it, get along with me, don't, that's fine. You know, not too worried. But, <laughs> but I'm, um, I'm unapologetically me and I know exactly who I stand for. And, and probably when I first started, like, you know, like anything, you're really, you're really keen to prove yourself, um, you know, that you are committed and that you want to be here Um and sometimes that might mean not having that kind of, I'm going to say work-life balance, that referee life balance quite right. Um, you might, you know, it gets to a, 
certain point in your career, you do have to make sacrifices, but it shouldn't be at the extent of, you know, your well-being. Um, and yeah, I probably didn't quite get that first, that right in the first maybe year or so of my refereeing. Um, and I think that also just comes with confidence, um, being able to stand up to, you know, not stand up, but you know, to speak up um, to coaches and just let them know what's going on or mentors or selectors and just let them know that this is real, this is life. Uh, things don't always go to plan and it definitely does affect you. Um, and again, I don't think this is just a female thing. I think this is a, a human thing. And so I think that it's really important that you do need to get that, I guess, again, that work-life balance, that balance right. Um, I know for me, like, I've, I need to make sure, as I said, I'm real big on switching off. If I don't switch off and there's lots going on and stuff and I don't have I don't have that downtime, I don't have that time with a partner, I don't have that time with my friends, my family, um, I'm not I'm not going to referee as well as I could. I still might referee okay. Um, you know, there's a certain level that I'm at now that I'm always wanting to referee above. And I know that I need to get the off-field stuff right to be able to get the on-field stuff right as well. So how do you switch off then, you know, going into game day or after game day? How do you switch off? Cool. So for me, um, I'm just big on getting away from it. As I said, Scotty and I are both involved in rugby. Um, so that might mean not watching rugby on a Sunday or, you know, on a Friday night before the games or something. Might go out a nice little Italian place for dinner or something. He might be carb, carb loading. I might be carb loading. Um, so not necessarily, you know, staying involved in rugby and things. Um, I'm big on connecting with friends and family. Um, you know, a lot of our friends are involved involved with footy, but then a lot of them aren't. Um, some of my best, you know, female friends have no idea about rugby, but they're fully supportive in all my endeavours and and what I do. And sometimes, you know, a glass of wine or a beer with them um, is all that is all that counts. Or you know, hanging out with my sisters and stuff. It's um, and their partners. Um, that's I guess that's how I switch off. I'm quite an active rester. So sitting at home, um, I guess, chilling or watching a movie, it's not necessarily what, you know, something that I do. It's I'm always connecting with people and and catching up with friends. And, and you know, I, I love it when, you know, my mates aren't involved in rugby and, and that's how I might, you know, might prepare for a game, might catch up with them on Wednesday night or something if I've got a, I've got a big game on on Friday, um, you know, on Saturday or something. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that, Lauren. Um, I've got a question here. Um, is there anything you wish you had done differently early in your career that you think that you think would have helped you grow as a referee? Um, that's a good one, actually. Um, not necessarily anything I probably would have done differently, but probably a piece of advice I would I would give to people um, starting out is that a lot of people, and I know in counties have come in and they're like, yeah, I want a referee, but I'm 15 and I'm still playing rugby. And I'm like, go play rugby go turn around go play rugby so that would be my piece of advice is just there's always going to be a time and opportunity for you to referee but there may not always be a time for you to play rugby so while you're young while you're fit while you're healthy while your knees still work while you don't have a seized up back you know go out and play rugby and get amongst it have some friends with your friends chuck the footy around there's always going to be a time where you want to you know where you want to pick up the whistle um and referee so that, i guess that would be my piece of advice um to people wanting to get involved in rugby, um, but but still necessarily uh, deciding uh, what pathway to take, and I might definitely play. And when you're done playing, then you know come join come join the dark side. Come join the dark side. Um, so you did touch on you know you know big thing for when you go out week out week out, and you know all of your colleagues, and you want people to see 
where you can be you know what what is your advice for existing or new referees that, that have come to the dark side as you say um again i think i alluded to it a little bit earlier but you've got to be really clear on i guess on who you are and i guess what you're all about and what you stand for um i just think that's a big thing because you're going to get criticized whether it's by you know a parent on the sideline whether it's by players when you get to that next level when it's by media so I think you just have to have a real clear understanding um, of who you are and be unapologetically you. Um, that would be one piece of advice. Another another piece of advice would be is a bit cliche, but uh, but just to get stuck in. Um, you know, you can learn a lot standing on the sideline watching a referee, but you learn a heck of a lot more by actually doing it. Hundred percent. Yeah. And my prime example is um, I went along to, again, went along to a, a, a referee meeting in, in counties and Jess was like, yeah, yeah, come come with me on Saturday. I'll take you to a game. And I was like, sweet. Okay, this is cool. You know, I've got Jess Beard taking me to a taking me to a game. I was like, how good? And so we get there and she's like, all right, jump on. And I was like, what? And she's like, jump on, you shadow me. And I was like, no, what? I was like, hang on a second. And she's like, yeah, yeah, come on. She's like, you don't need a whistle. You don't need anything. You got your boots. She's like, jump on. She's like, you just run around after me, listen to what I'm saying, look where I'm standing. She said, you won't get in the way, you'll be right. And that's exactly what I did. And honestly, has it, it changed my life. You know, it's um, it's it was an awesome thing to do, put me out of my comfort zone. Um, it was heck like hell scary. Um, didn't want to be there. I was like, what am I doing? I thought I could, you know, just watch and observe on the sideline for a bit. But but getting stuck in was absolutely the way to go. And that's what I would um that would be a piece of advice that I would give give to people is just get stuck in. You're going to learn more by doing it. Um, you're also going to learn that you muck up and you're probably going to fail a little bit while you're there. But that's part of the journey and that's like learning any new skill. Um, you know, you've got to take the setbacks with the wins. And so for me, as I said, that's that was uh, Jess probably doesn't even know that um, you know, I'm telling this story and that was, you know, a pivotal moment for me in my career. But that that absolutely uh, you know, was the way to go and that would be my piece of advice. And if I had anyone starting out new and I was like, Yeah, come with me, I'll, you know, come along to a game with me on Saturday, that's exactly what I'd be doing with them. You yeah, know, that's awesome. I know a couple of boys back at home in Rotorua you know, likes and Nico and that are doing that with the younger refs and, you know, it gives them a bit more confidence and know that there is that support on the sideline. So, yeah, I second you on that. It's a big thing. Yeah, I think a lot definitely. Of are learning from that. So I think if there is those uh, top referees, if they do have the opportunity is to get those younger guys to your game and we'll go to their games and go support them because yeah, I think that would be a good growth for the younger referees. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so we're now going to jump into the viewer questions. Um, the first one here is from Scott Jones. What is your favourite team to referee? Oh, that's a good one. Favourite team to referee? Um, look, I always, there's probably two here. Um Internationally, I always seem to get uh, Australia and China on the seven circuit. That just seems to be my game and what I do. Um, I look forward to it every time. And so probably the Aussie girls. Um, I have a lot to do with the Aussie refs and I'm over in Australia quite a bit refereeing. And so I'm not too sure why. I just enjoy the banter that the Aussie girls provide um, and and the skill level, you know. Um, so I really enjoy them. But, but closer to home... Um, because I don't actually get to referee the county's girls very often. Um, 
I can't I can't say them because I, I don't get to riff them. Um, but a team that I do get to referee a lot is the, the Auckland Storm girls. Um, I, I'm quite friendly with a lot of the girls in the team, um, purely just from refereeing them, um, you know, time and time again. And and you do get to build those relationships off the field as well. Um, so the Auckland Storm, they always bring it. They're always, you know, they're always competitive. They're always physical um, and they're always in it to win it. So um, probably the Storm girls. Just going off what you just said there about having, you know, the relationships off field with some of the players. Do you think that's harder or easier to referee them on a sad day once you've got that kind of bond with them? Um, to be fair, it probably uh, for me it probably doesn't bother me too much. Um, I guess there is this kind of um, sense of unconscious bias that can come into the game. Um, you know, if they are your mates, you don't want to be seen as being, you know, being biased and and you know, um, giving cutting them some slack. So you probably don't realise, but you might be referring, I guess, them a little bit harsher, um, whether you know that or not. But I think um, that could probably come into the game. But I think when you get to a certain level of your refereeing, um, you know, and even with the pro boys and stuff, they know a lot of the, they know a lot of the guys. Just like they, I know a lot of the girls off the field, um, and it doesn't even come into it. Like it, you just you're there to referee. You're there to facilitate a safe and entertaining game. And and whether you know the person or not, I think I think that's you know probably besides the point a little bit um and you just you're just there to do it to do a job and to do it well um I do love you know you might get a bit of back chat from them every now and then but you know that's part of the game and that's something that I love the banter and and being able to you know be able to go through the motions of that so um so yeah um so yeah it's it's good that you say that I personally I find it or Especially um, schoolboys that you're going to school with doing an after-school game. Hemi, Sean, I don't know, Braden, he's dropped out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hemi and Sean, we probably know that um, after after school game, you know, during school time, everyone's built up the hype for the game. All the friends are going at each other. It's a good contest. But then, you know, you kind of feel like, I don't know, but you just have this kind of, uh, that thing that you said, unfair, you know, bias. And so I feel like it is uh, a challenging uh, aspect of the game. But again, it's just a, we're here to do a job. And honestly, I quite like that job, especially after school, because I feel like doing your friends makes doing your job way more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, and like with that, it's probably just a confidence thing as well. Like, the more the more experienced you are the more confident you're going to be and the less that's probably going to influence or, or bother you if that makes sense and so um I think you know you've got to they're your mates at the end of the day you know you, you try to get it right 100% of the time but the reality is you might not um yeah. and so you've got to have some fun with that you've got to be able to you know you got to put your hand up and be like yeah mate you know I saw what you did there but you know we'll let it slide for now but you know but like if you missed it you know so you just got to try and make a little bit of fun I yeah. definitely won't be doing that on an international level though you know I'm trying, to, <laughs> trying to get every call right but at a local level you know your guys age with your mates like you know yeah. that's that's what it's all about you're there to have a bit of fun and have a laugh and 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 to do a job and to facilitate you know a safe game so you did just talk about yeah. you know if you make that mistake in the game how do you like reset and carry on once you've kind of made a mistake in the game if you have, you know? Yeah, so that's that's a big, I guess, um, a big part of where I'm at, I guess, in my career at the moment. So the the mental skills kind of side of things. Um, so I work with an amazing, amazing guy, a mental skills coach 
helped um, Jace McKenzie, and so he's he's awesome. And worked I worked really close with him um, leading into the Olympics, and that's a big that's we talk about that a lot. Uh, you know how do you how do you prepare yourself with with the resource and with the tools to be able to to be able to park potentially a decision or a call or you know a comment or something and then and then move on to um to referee the game you know to the best of your ability post that event and so yeah i'm very fortunate to be working with jace um and he's equipped me with a lot of tools um that i can work on off the field that will help me on the field with these decisions and things um but obviously you're trying to get it right and and again like i'm at a, at a place probably in my career where i'm trying to didn't, I'm always trying to referee above a certain level and never drop drop below that. But it is tough, you know. Like if you've if you've got a big moment in your game, like a, a red card, and um, obviously you know with a couple of these new laws now, it's only 20 minutes and then the, the person can be replaced. But you know, a red, a red card is a big decision in a game, and you're wanting to make sure you get that right. And and yeah, and so you're just wanting to make sure that you know you've got that right and then you might still have 60 minutes of the game left and how is that going to affect the teams or affect your refereeing is it going to change anything and and you don't want to be thinking that but but naturally you're human you do and so so yeah so I'm really fortunate to be working um really close with Jace to be able to to be able to equip myself with the tools and resources to be able to get through those situations um, and not let them affect me maybe how they would earlier on in my career. And, awesome. you know, you've stated that you have a, uh, a guy to help you out. Do you have any, like, tips for any younger, you know, referees that don't have anyone to kind of have help with, like, what they could do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, like, you know, like, practice makes perfect, like anything. Like, you know, when you first started refereeing, you know, blowing your whistle and looking in front of the mirror and doing all that kind of stuff. But... But I think actually just um, grabbing your coach and, and talking through scenarios with them, um, you know, dealing with foul play. So um, having having a process around, you know, um, you can practice foul play in front of the mirror and how you deliver a red card message or the high contact frame, you know, the head high contact framework a thousand times in front of the mirror or anything. But, but doing it on the field is very different, um, you know. You're in the spotlight. You might stumble your words a little bit. You know you've got the answer right, but you might not get the process right. And so I think just chatting through situations, whether it's you know some of your mates um, who are also referees with your coach, and just coming up with different scenarios and and how you might deal with that. Um, and also, I think also just um like in the game, just just learning learning little um, coping mechanisms which might be, uh, you know, cutting your game up into 20-minute blocks, into quarters, and something happening in the first quarter. And so when you look down at you're watching, like, okay, the first 20 minutes is done, now into the, you know, now into the second quarter, now into my second piece of work, we work here. We park that. That was in the first quarter. This is a, you know, this is a new quarter. So I guess having little tips and tools like that um, could help. Um, and I, I think definitely it could go a long way in, in uh, helping your career and, and parking those, I guess, those situations. Cool. Um, we'll move on to the next one. This one's from Brie Williams. Uh, she said, what does a typical fitness session look like for you in a week? Oh, that's a good one. Um, look, they're tough and I don't particularly enjoy them, but that aside... Um, I, I have an amazing trainer, Paul Downs. Um, so I call him Downsy. He used to work with the um, with the Auckland boys, the uh, Bunnings boys. 
Um, and he's awesome. So I train with him a couple of times a week. We do a combination of uh, speed and like MAS sessions. Um, so that's any, you know, um, if you know MAS, um, it's, yeah, they're tough sessions, don't particularly like it. Um, speed, um, obviously when we test on the world stage, you're doing the Bronco, you're doing some skin folds and you're doing a speed testing. So all of our training is around, um, is around um, energy efficiencies and, um, and, you know, exerting power in the right direction and things like that. So Downs is quite specific, but um, I really appreciate that because I quite like to know technique and things like that. So I guess, yeah, but a typical training session for me um, would, yeah, is with Downsy and is a lot of blocks. We might do four or five blocks in a, in a session. Could be anywhere from half an hour to about an hour. Um, yeah, MAS, so, you know, 30 on, 30 off, 15 on, 15 off, um, running, you know, 88s. If you understand any of this, that's great. If you don't, Brie, I can flick you a message and give you some training sessions as well. Um, but yeah, if, but to be fair, if we're having an off day um, and we're like, you know, we're just, we're just going to go into the gym, um, we might do a music circuit. So that's where we'll have a, have a gym session um, and we'll have 15 tracks um, and we'll just pretty much do a couple of different, um, different workouts to the track and then we'll change the workout on when the next track changes so we like to keep it fun we like to keep um you know high energy we always got a yui boom we're always smashing some music um we make it real fun so um yeah but they're, they're pretty tough yeah and just just real quickly um touching on the music um when you're in the changing room on a big game day you know you're you're feeling the vibe crowds pumping you know and you're just there in the changing room by yourself you got your headphones in or whatever you got in. What are you listening to to get you in that space? Listen. Controversial. Nah, um, I'm probably listening to some some Fisher, uh, something just, you know, just really just pumping me up, just getting me excited. Feel like I'm, you know, on a beef at a house party, you know, at a beach party or something. Just, you know, just really get those get those vibes going. Um, yeah, love my house music. Um, so probably probably something like that. But to be fair, I'm, I'm partial to, you know, um, you know, Meg, so she's got some some throwbacks or, you know, whatever she's playing. I'm I'm a music gal, but I don't I don't really mind, I guess, what it is. But personally, if it was just me in the zone in the change room, probably, yeah, probably some Fisher or something like that. Can't go wrong with a bit of DMB. Absolutely. <laughs> Braden's favorite. Yeah, mate. That, that gets me pumping on game day. DMB all the time. Um, I've just got a question here from Jeremy. Um, do you think that the opportunities for female referees are the same as for males? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we've come a long way um, in the rugby space within New Zealand. And I alluded to that, uh, you know, um, earlier before, like, you know, it used to be the wider training group and then we had the female national squad and then we had the males national squad. And, and now, um, you know, and now we've, we're just the national squad. The you know, the females that are in that squad deserve to be there. They're not there because they're a female and it, it looks good to, you know, tick a box and to have them there. They've worked really hard and they deserve to be there, just like any of the men do. Um, so I definitely think we've come we've come a long way. There, there probably is, you know, more continuously, you know, as the sport evolves, as the female game grows, um, as we evolve, you know, there, there will be more opportunities for females. But um, but I've been very fortunate in the in the road that and the pathway that I've had. I've had some absolute trailblazers before me who have been, you know, paving the way. Bex has Bex has done a phenomenal job um, leading the way in that space more recent in more recent years. You know, first female referee to 
periphery of, you know, back then, um, Mitoting Cup, so, you know, an NPC game. Um, you know, I had an, an awesome opportunity this year. Uh, you know, I met the fitness requirements, you know, the Laura exam and, and was in a space with my refereeing that I got given the opportunity to, to run, um, you know, AR and Super Rugby, um, which is really cool. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely think the opportunity is there um, for females, yeah. Um, especially, yeah, especially if you're at the level to be deserving of them. So they're not, you know, no one's going to give uh, anyone uh, an opportunity because it, because it looks good. They want to know that they'll put you in a position where you're going to succeed and they know you're going to do well. And they, they know that, you know, they've supported you all this way. And it's, um, yeah, I definitely think that that the opportunities are there for females to take. Absolutely. Great. Um, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Um, so next question um, comes from the man upstairs of where I am living. Um, <laughs> what was your Ames Games experience like? Hello? I think we've just lost. Cut out. Yeah. We all cutting um, out or something. Something's going on. Okay. Lauren, can you hear us? Oh, what a great day. I think she's just like, yeah, so it says it's on mute. Well, yes, and she's frozen. Okay, we'll just wait for a bit. Oh, let's go hear me. Let's ask that question to you, hear me. What was your um what was your Ames games experience like? Give us a bit of an insight of your Ames games. I know that's a bit of a fan favorite for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. um, what is it, 2021 now? Um we've had the unfortunate news that it's been cancelled this year, but Last time I did attend Ames Games was 2019, long time yes. ago. Yes. Um, didn't make my sevens debut there, but I was all good with it. I actually got to join in on the debut of the Quick Grip tournament, which was pretty massive. Um, really cool to actually referee, um, getting amongst it, um, meeting referees from around the country. Like I've made some friendships there that um, are probably unbreakable now until until forever. Um, so my experience at Ames Games was probably the best that I've ever had. I would even go as far as saying that it was better than Condors. Ooh. Okay, we're back. Ooh. Sorry, lads. I don't oh. know what happened there. I cut out for a minute. That's Too many boys upstairs gaming. I've got <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that their boys. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, no worries. No worries. Okay, I'll just re-ask that question that the man upstairs has. Uh, what was your Ames Games experience like? My Ames Games experience was fantastic. Um, trip of a lifetime, that. Um, I think I was a late call-up many moons ago. Um, Travelled down with Brando and Lomax. Um, you know, got put up in some fantastic accommodation um, right in the Mount. I think it was on Marine Parade there. Um, absolutely loved it. Met one of my good mates, um, Josh Ellis. He um, met him for the first time and his mate Jacks from, from North Harbour. Um, and had an absolute amazing time. Ants, Ants Petrie was there, which was cool. Um, connected with a couple of the Bay Boys and a couple of other, um, you know, of the refs that came from um, local regions and stuff. It was incredible. Um, that was a really cool way, to, I guess, to, to start my career as well. I think I had to leave early um, to go back and, um, and AR a, a FPC game, which is quite cool. So I had to leave that so I couldn't stay for finals day. But um, it was an amazing experience. I'd say to anyone who was, um, you know, at that level wanting to give it a go, um, absolutely. I heard that this year it's been um, 
has been cancelled, unfortunately, due yeah. to COVID, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, anyone who's keen to do it, definitely get around it. Um, it was really cool. Uh, you know, I hold those memories um, pretty close to my heart. Um, and it was an awesome trip. Yeah, definitely. So I just answered that while you were cut out. Um, they threw the question over to me, which I wasn't expecting. Um, <laughs> but I think what deters a lot of referees from actually going to Ames Games is it's intermediate, which I think is unfair on the tournament it's, itself because people don't generally um, put good rugby with intermediate um, age children, which isn't which isn't true at all. There's been some great games at Ames Games over the past few years. Um, so I think people just really need to go there and actually have a go and experience it. Absolutely, Hemi. Couldn't, you couldn't be more, you know, right. I was going to say that, like, this is our next generation of of athletes who are coming through and to, you know, to even be a small part of, you know, their careers and referee their games, um, you know, as they're coming through is awesome. And the calibre of the rugby in New Zealand, it doesn't matter what age group they are, is awesome. Um, and so I would say absolutely don't, um, don't be put off by the age group that you're refereeing. Um, you know, any rugby is good rugby, but yeah, the, the calibre and the, the skill level of the talent that is coming through is, is awesome. And I think, you know, looking back on my time when I was there, the skill level then, and those are our, you know, those are our future, future leaders of the sport. And so to be able to go back now and see, you know, what 15 year olds are producing now, I was like, I couldn't do that when I was 15. That's so, great. um, so, you know, it's, it's really cool to be involved in. Sweet. I've just got a question here from George Haswell, the man. He's also got two questions. Um, so celebrity crush, who is your celebrity crush? Got to keep such it a basic. George question. That's such a George yeah, question. Surely. <laughs> he actually asked me this during the week, actually. So I thought this question might be coming. So, George, for you, I've um had this, I don't know if we'd call him a celebrity, but I've had a crush on this guy for a couple of years now. Um, I actually live with him, which is very exciting. Oh. Um, <laughs> now, my celebrity crush, who would that be? Um, you know, I've been watching uh, a good couple of TV shows recently, and there's some um, some good talent, some good talent on there. Um, celebrity crush. Look, when I was younger, it had to be Carlos Spencer. Ooh, Don't know why. Ooh, okay. Yeah, thought he was an incredible athlete, and um, yeah, that would be my celebrity crush when I was growing up. Sweet, that sounds good. Um, next question that George did have: How do you counter some of the tough moments? criticism that you might face as a referee oh sorry Brent, can you say that one more time and quite get that he said how do you counter some of the tough moments criticism that you might face as a referee Ooh, george you're really hitting me with the hard questions tonight he's on fire um that, that's a really good one pardon me he's on fire tonight george absolutely oh gee um no that's that's a really good one um and Yes, as I said, you know, for, very fortunate to work with Jace um, in that in that space. But um, I guess just having a really good support network around you. And um, and personally, I don't follow the news or the you know the media in terms of my games and things like that. It's quite funny. Love reading up on the Super Rugby games. What my partner gets up to, you know, when Ben gets trigger happy and gives him red cards, and and love reading up on that, and you know, reading the reading the comments um the comments around that. But in terms of in terms for me, I don't I don't read up on the news about any of my games if they're you know international games and stuff. Um, there's always going to be someone, whether it's at club rugby or an international level, 
that aren't going to agree with your decisions. And I think that's where, as I said earlier, you've really got to be strong on who you are, what you're all about, and what you stand for. And then, and then you can't, and then you can't be breakable. You know, someone's always going to say something. You're always going to be criticised. It, it's not nice to hear. Um, it doesn't make you feel good, and it can be really tough to overcome and and to you know and to push through. But I think you just have to have a really good support network around you, whether that's whether that's your coach um, or someone you can confide in, or or a mentor, or your parents, or your siblings, um, and just chat through like this happened. It was a bit shit. Um, this is what I'm going to do about it. And I think actually, you know, um, exercising that and using that as a tool to, to overcome it, that's that's what I would do. And I also appreciate that that not everyone's the same. Um, some referees might might like to look, look at the news and might like to, you know, read up on their games and what people have to say and might have a laugh. And that might be their, um, you know, coping mechanism around that. They might look at all the comments and be like, ha, like, you know, that's funny. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. You weren't there. Um, and that might be their their way of dealing with it that's certainly not mine but I but I do appreciate that everyone's different and it's really important for people to find what works well for them and and stick with that 100% and I think you know especially us doing this podcast you know is a bit of reaching out to the referee community that there is always people here for you if you guys do go through that you know there's always people out there that are there to support you and people that will come down to your game to help you out there is always that you know offer there so just Keep in contact with all the referees. It's a tight, it's a tight community, so it's always there for you. Looks like I've lost her again. Oh, the boys are gaming. Back on the gaming, are they? Oh no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> oh, Push season level four good. We're at level three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll uh, throw a question here at Brayden. Um, seeing as he yeah. refs the premier development, so he does deal with yeah, big massive, men. Massive. Um, how do you deal with players and captains on the field that have lost their calm and their cool, I guess? Um, Especially on the tucky. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, very, very hard question. Um, you know, that's something I have worked very hard on early this season and it was a big focus. I think it comes down to your pre-match. Like my pre-match with my captains is, have a laugh, but still get your, like you want your message to get delivered, but you also want to build that bond with them, have that relationship. And then on the field, you know, keeping that relationship, it's not always you picking at them because that's when they're going to lose frustration. So when you can build that relationship in the pre-match and have a laugh, but when it's serious time, then that's, you know, that's when you have your chat. Um, letting them speak, I know, like I think having when you have your interactions is letting them speak, seeing what they're seeing. And then you come in with your speech or however you want to do that. But that's how I do mine. And normally, you know, giving them time and letting them voice their opinion, you know, it's a bit of a breather for them, which is quite good. And that seems to work most of the time. So, yeah, good question there from whoever that was. That was yeah, a great yeah. question. He is a very <laughs> smart man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think while we're waiting for Lauren to join, I just noticed Heath and Braden, mate, Um, you guys are twinning it a bit with the uh, four eyes tonight. Could you just tell us about, about the story there of, of the glasses that you guys have? Um, who's going first? Yeah. I'll go. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, these are these are not mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm wearing these as a uh, kind of enjoyment for myself. I'm annoying my sister by wearing these. So, um, you know, there's, you know, it's kind of fun annoying your little siblings. So, um, 
just doing it despite her yeah. pretty much. My point on these is I'm always on my computer de- designing stuff and doing stuff for the Facebook page and we're always on Zoom. So I was saying, yeah, yeah. Right. so blue light glasses are the way to go. So much better. They're just amazing. So big shout out. Yeah, to that, that, yeah that too. Yeah. And speaking of uh, online and Zoom, I think this would be a good chance to elaborate on our 200 followers and just a quick thanks, especially to Pat Spellman. Um, we got in contact with Pat um, as we saw his you know, um, podcast on Spotify. He does similar thing, but with um, a lot of touch referees and players. Um, and we just he just gave us a lot of insight about how we can you know grow our podcast and obviously doing our first big one with Ben last week got something like 1.3 thousand um, views was just awesome and he just helped us out a lot and wouldn't be here without him so yeah thanks Pat yeah so go check him out on the Touch Project because he's definitely been a big help <laughs> if you have got some you know advice for us or you know things that you'd like to see on the show then feel free to message the page like any advice is good advice for us and we do hope that you are enjoying it obviously we've got some technical difficulties but we have got lauren back now so yes we have wait. sorry lads i just cut out again i'm on my phone now so i hope that one cut out uh, they're gaming too hard sorry yeah. <laughs> we're good um what are we go ahead and ask that question again sean yeah, so um, we threw this one at Braden, um, but we're going to throw it at you as well now. Uh, so how do you deal with players and captains that have lost their cool on the field? Um, that's an interesting one um, because everyone, uh, everyone reacts differently and everyone, res- you know, responds differently in terms, of, um, in terms of your feedback and things. And so it's quite interesting how you do approach it. Um, in terms of me, what, what I work for me is that, you know, some people could be quite, um, level-headed and they get calm and it'll make, you know, make the captains calm, but actually realistically, that's probably not going to be the case. The captain's probably just going to get more, you know, brassed off and, and, you know, cause you're acting really cool and calm and collected and, and they're, you know, so worked up. And I think you've got to, you've got to respect, I guess, where the captains are coming from and, and, um, you know, why, why they are like that. And, and so I think you do have to have a certain level of composure about you, but also be able to, um, you know, relate to them as well. So there's obviously a reason why um, they're feeling this way. So I guess, you know, pull them aside and, and have a very brief chat around, um, you know, what's going on, what's going on, why they might be frustrated in terms of, you know, maybe you're under the pump, you know, you're getting penalised, your discipline's not that great let's work together to see how you can, you know, how you can figure that out or, you know, how we can work with the team to, to get on top of this. And I think just personally for me, just trying to be able to uh, relate to them and put myself in their shoes um, to a certain extent, probably diffuses the situation. Again, um, every referee is different. Every referee will have their own mechanisms that work for them. Um, so I'm just, I guess, saying uh, a piece of advice that works for me. And that's, I guess, like a tool, a tool that I try to use, but I, I definitely don't try to come in and, and be the bigger, per, you know, be the, the big person and, and try to tell them to say, you know, how they should be behaving and all that kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, there's a reason why they're feeling that way. And so you just, I guess, need to work together to come up with a solution. Yeah. And do you ever like um, incorporate that into your pregame chat? Because I've been doing that recently as um, telling the captains just before they go away, you know, the game's built on respect. So I'm always keen for a chat in the right tone and at the right place in the field. Do you, do you give that message on to, to the captains and players before you head out and, and play the 80 minutes? 
Yeah, absolutely, Hemi. 100%. You, you absolutely nailed it. Um, it comes from respect. Um, respect that you have for the players, for the, ca um, for the captains, but also the respect that, um, you know, you deserve back. Um, it's a big part of, I guess, uh, my, my pre-match chat and, and my player buy-in. So that's something um, I work really hard off the field and on the field to get is, is that player buy-in. So for me personally, you know, when you're told, when you start refereeing, um, I got told, you know, don't talk to the, you know, only the person, only the captain can talk to you. So don't talk to anyone else. You know, and all the chat has to be through the captain. And that's probably uh, a thing that a lot of young referees get told, which is, you know, absolutely true because you're trying to, you know, establish a certain level of respect. You're trying not to get flustered. You need one person communicating, not a whole team barking at you. But but as you go through the ranks, you probably see a lot of this, you know, at super rugby level and at that pro level and some of the the, uh, the level of refereeing that I, I refer um, is that, you know, one of the players might might not be the captain, but they might have played 50 games for the Blackburns or, you know, 70 odd games for, for their club. So if they're coming to me, posing a question, not telling me how to do my job, but posing a question or asking a question, 100% I'm going to give them the time of day. I'm not going to turn around and be like, no, 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 not today, only through, you know, only through your captain. I don't want to hear from you. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them the time to allow, you know, allow them to ask that question. And, um, and I think that for me gets that player buy-in. And this is a tool that I, that I work on um, because, you know, some of these players also, even at club rugby might've been playing longer than I've been alive. Um, you know, they might've been, I'm might, you know, might only be, have been refereeing, you know, five or six years and these guys played rugby 30 years or so. So I think it's really important to pick your conversation and know when it's a good time to, to engage with a player that might not necessarily be the captain um, and when it's also there is a time that you aren't getting the level of, level of respect that you deserve and the chat through through the captain I guess is necessary if that if that makes sense to you guys yeah yeah I understand yeah just on that I think you touch you know there's a difference between the question and the statement so if someone's going to come and ask you a question you know you, you're more prone to answer that than if they're telling you how to do their jobs you know so I think it's that way of how they come across is the way you're going to respond, I guess. Absolutely. And also, like, if I, if I go out into the field looking like I've got an attitude, that's what the players expect. Mm. But if I go out there, you know, in an approachable manner that the players know actually, you know, it's a safe environment, if there is that level of, um, you know, two-way level of respect, that they can pose a question, um, they can ask us some clarity on something, and also, um, you know, I'm going to give it to them. Also, there are leaders in the team, so it could be at scrum time. Or it could be, you know, um, one of you know the, the halfback or first five. It's it's really important to to know who your leaders are in the team that you're refereeing and engage with them accordingly. So you might not need to always, you know, have the chat with the captain if they're if they're at, you know the hooker at, um, at scrum time. You might be having a conversation with the first five, who's the leader of the backs. It could be the centre. It could be the fullback. So just identifying your leaders in the team. Um, and then engaging with them appropriately. But yeah, definitely, Hemi, you nailed it, having that that two-way level of respect, absolutely. I guess there's one question here from Brando um, that kind of links to that whole, you know, how you um, talk to the, you know, the players on the field. Um, he just said, have you developed any unique, like Nigel Owens one-liners in your time refereeing, maybe more at the club rugby level? Brando stitching you up here, I think. 100 is no, no, I haven't. And if you've heard anything otherwise, they're lying. Um, <laughs> no, I, I personally, I personally don't have a one-liner. I wish I did. 
you know, that might give you some more credibility, which is exciting. Um, no, nah, but I don't. If I think of one, I'll let him know that. I think I think just before we move on, um, last condors that we had, um, someone by the name of Braden Southall um, delivered a one-liner on national TV. Braden, did you did you just want to let the viewers know what what that one-liner was? Everyone yeah, I'd love to, hear to know. That. So um, that deal was with me and Salty, and I, I think you know Nico did touch and say that like you know what happens on tour stays on tour, but I will share this one with you if I can remember. It was, it was... on national TV, mate. You have to share it. I think yeah. it was yes, it was down on the line of when a women's game and it was like um oh it was off the feet at the ruck and I just blew a penalty. I was like, it's not a pull, you can't dive there, get out. Or something, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I said. So yeah, that's salty from um told me to say that. So that's salty's fault. Oh mate, take take some credit for that, man. Um yeah. it takes t- you know, you, you have to deliver that. Salty's only about five percent of that equation. You're the other ninety five in that. <laughs> Cheers, Amy. Thanks for the stitch up. <laughs> All good, mate. Uh, well i think that is all for tonight people um no more questions coming through for about an hour so um i'd just like to round up and say a massive thank you to lauren for joining us tonight um yeah so thank you so much um and yeah hope you had a good time you're welcome, Tam. Really sorry again for the technical difficulties on week two for you guys. That's a stitch up. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll definitely, you know, give you a shout or something. I'll make it up to you. So um, it's been great. Um, it's been, been great being here, guys. Um, love your work. Love what you guys are doing. I think it's really cool that you try to connect everyone during lockdown with a bit of footy, um, especially while it's not on. Um, I think you should definitely stick with it um, post lockdown and, um, and just see, I don't know, see where it takes you, which is exciting. So thanks. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, so folks, um, stay tuned on the Facebook page as tomorrow we'll be uploading this video to um, Spotify and um, Anchor as a podcast to listen to whenever you're around and about. And uh, join us next week at uh, 8 p.m. as we'll be joined by yet another top referee. Thank you. So thank you for jumping on. <laughs>